This is Wayne Goldsmith, and welcome to Sports Thoughts. I've spent 25 years traveling the world, working with some of the world's best athletes, coaches, and teams, trying to discover what it is that they do, how they think, and what it takes to be the best in sport. Subscribe to our newsletter at wgcoaching.com to keep up to date with my thoughts on sport. I've been involved in sport in a broad range of capacities since the late 1980s. My kids like to joke that it's probably more like the 1880s or 1780s, but no, it's just the 1980s. And over that time, it would be fair to say that the one thing that's kept me going is a voracious appetite, is a hunger for learning. And it's always been part of who I am and it's been part of my daily life. There isn't a day that goes by where I don't learn something or I don't play with different ideas. And I like nothing more than sitting down with coaches or athletes or parents or sports scientists, sports administrators, sports leaders, sports philosophers, anyone who's connected with the industry and just kick ideas around. And it's energizing and it's exciting. And my whole day, and certainly most of the last 30 years, has been one long, continuous learning and improvement process, trying to figure out where sport is, where it's going, and try to understand how we can make the industry better, and certainly how I can help coaches be better at coaching, help sporting parents be better at parenting, and help athletes improve in their performance. I'm now in a place where a lot of things have started to come together. I'm now in a place where instead of looking particularly at one area or a different area like sports science or coaching or sports parenting, there seems to be a picture emerging of how everything might fit together and how there could be a better way, a new way, a different way of thinking about how we work with athletes, particularly young athletes, but all athletes. And so what I'm going to present to you today and in part two of this special series of Sports Thoughts, is a new concept that I'm calling Whole Coaching, W-H-O-L-E, Coaching. So what is Whole Coaching? Well, there's a lot of things happening in the sports industry that have been progressively evolving over the last five or ten years. Many of those things have been by necessity, accelerated by the challenges we're all facing through the COVID-19 period. Whole coaching is saying we've got to rethink the way that we work with athletes. We know that before COVID hit, the number of kids who were involved in organised competitive sport was dwindling. It was a big issue for sports all around the world. And I remember in 2019 BC, before COVID, when we could still travel, In that year, going to the United States, to Canada, to New Zealand, going across Australia, being in Europe, England, Ireland, Scotland, Wales, having the same conversations with coaches and sport leaders about where the industry was heading. Because even at that stage, six months before we had to face the realities of COVID and wearing masks and vaccinations and travel restrictions and so on, Even at that stage, around the world, the dwindling number of kids being involved in traditional forms of organised competitive sport 
was apparent. And I remember in the one two-month period, in the two-month period in the middle of 2019, talking with people involved in rugby in New Zealand, soccer in England, and ice hockey in Canada. So three nations, other sides of the world, three completely different sports synonymous with each of those nations. And in each of those three nations, having conversations about what are we going to do to get kids back to rugby, to soccer, football, and back to ice hockey, having the same types of conversations about how frustrating it was and how do we get kids to re-engage with the sport? What can we change? What can we introduce? And largely all of those nations and all of those sports, plus all the other sports that I have anything to do with, all looking at things very similarly, which is what we have to do is rebrand the sport. Or we need to come up with what we call micro sports or alternative sports or different versions of sports and adapt sport in some way to changing needs or the perceptions of changing needs of people who are involved. And out of that, we saw rugby with seven players, 10 players and 12 players. We saw cricket going from five days to one day to 20 overs a side to now 100 runs. We've seen places who have encouraged sport to get smaller and faster and shorter and sharper and more entertaining, requiring less equipment and to be more interesting, entertaining and engaging. And that pattern, that thinking to try and get kids and families to re-engage, reconnect with organised competitive sport was something that was sweeping the world. And then COVID came along. COVID hit and those issues became accelerated because all of a sudden so many kids and families realised that there was a life other than sport. And when I talk to people in sports like swimming, in athletics, in rowing, gymnastics, diving, those big time commitment sports, the number of kids who are involved in those sports doesn't look like recovering anywhere near to the level that it was before COVID. And if you remember, before COVID, it wasn't that good anyway. So clearly, changing sport, changing the way we market sport, changing the environment that sport's in, making it faster, changing rules, adapting sport, those things, in my view, are unlikely to work and certainly will not have the effect that so many sports leaders believe that they may have. I'm a strong believer that coaching is fundamental to the success of sport. I often say to people that your sport is basically your coaches. Why? Because it doesn't matter what your leaders come up with, what your strategic plan is, what your board decides. In most sports, it's the coach who delivers the experience of sport to kids and families. It's the coaches who have the role and the responsibility of delivering the experience of your sport to your clients, your participants, the children and families that you want to have engaged in your sport. In spite of that, One of the most frustrating things I see is in spite of national sporting bodies and sports leaders talking about coaching being important and coaching being fundamental to success and how much they value and appreciate the profession of coaching, it is very rare that any sporting organisation invests 5% or even 2% of their total budget into coaches and coaching. It is very rare. 
that I see that level of support and interest in spite of the rhetoric about how important coaching is. But I believe this has to change because coaches and coaching have never been more important. It's interesting too that following the impact of COVID that so many governments around the world, national, state, district, so many governments who see the impact on sport, who can see the number of kids who have dropped out and can see how slow those numbers are to rebuild and recover, have decided to try and address it by giving clubs and giving sporting organisations more money for infrastructure and facilities. The story I love to tell is this. If you had a 15-year-old rower who was already looking at rowing maybe negatively and was thinking of dropping out, And then COVID came along and they couldn't row with their friends regularly. But what they have learned to do is sit on the lounge, watch TV, play Xbox or PS4 and just connect with their friends electronically. Do you honestly believe in your heart, do you honestly believe that that athlete, that rower is going to turn off the electronics, take off the headphones and say to mum and dad, you've got to take me down the rowing club because I've just heard they've got a new timing system. Do you honestly believe that of those thousands and tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands of young swimmers around the world who gave up swimming in the last year or so, do you honestly believe that they will be motivated to go back to the training and the grind and the long meets on weekends? Do you honestly believe they're going to go back because they've just read that their club has a new grandstand and some new starting blocks. The reason people play sport is they love it. They enjoy it. It's rewarding. They feel value and benefit in it. They get friendships from it. They feel loved. They feel welcomed. They feel supported. They feel accepted. It's part of a tribe. They feel part of something. They belong to something. And none of those things can be delivered by investment in infrastructure or facilities. Those things are largely provided by club administrators, parents, officials, but most of all by coaches. So what I'm introducing today, and I'm about to run a course and a series of webinars on this same topic, is called Whole Coaching, W-H-O-L-E, whole coaching. Why now? Why would I be introducing this now? Well, the simple word is, the simple reason, it's timing. It is time that we looked at coaches and coaches a lot more seriously. We invested a lot more time, energy and resources into the development of coaches and coaching skills. And we realise that in most sports, coaches are the driving force of change, of connection, of relationships between the sport and the people you want involved in your sport. It frustrates me that sports will continue to spend huge amounts of money on infrastructure, facilities, marketing campaigns, advertising programs, administration staff and ignore coaches and coaching and wonder why things are not getting better. It's because 
for the most part, your sport is all about coaches and coaching and the relationships that they create and build and sustain with the athletes and families you want to have connected. So how do we go about creating this thing I call whole coaching? And whole coaching simply means coaching the whole athlete, having an holistic, broad, whole of life, whole of family, whole of environment approach to the way we connect with, engage and inspire the hearts and minds of athletes. How do we build relationships with them? How do we think past their physical talent, their skills, their capabilities? How do we look more holistically at the athletes that we coach and how does that translate into the way we design and deliver training programs and competition schedules? First, let's go back just a little bit. Back in the 1960s, 1970s, there wasn't a lot of coach education. Most of it was anecdote. Rugby coaches would tell rugby coaches how to coach rugby, who would tell rugby coaches how to coach rugby, who would tell rugby coaches how to coach rugby. It was very much about passing down ideas and knowledge. Every so often we got a magazine or we might get access to a television program, but for the most part in the 60s and 70s, coach education wasn't prominent and certainly wasn't very systematic, methodical or scientific in nature. In the 1970s, a little bit later in the 1970s, early 1980s, coming from Eastern Europe and then into Canada and then into places like Australia, we started to see the emergence of national coaching accreditation, national coaching certification systems, level one, level two, level three, a very linear model, level one being a beginner coach, level two, sort of a, an intermediate coach and level three, an advanced or high performance coach. And that model has remained relatively unchanged. Now, those of you in coach education would dispute that until your ears fall off, but more or less in many places around the world, the accreditation certification levels model still exists, is still being invested in, and in some places is seen as being the cutting edge and something new that their nation has never done before. Those coach education, coach certification systems were based primarily on sports science. So typically, the coach would walk in to a level one, a beginning certification course, and would do two hours of physiology, then two hours of biomechanics or skill acquisition, maybe an hour or so of psychology, some periodization and planning, how to design workouts, and then how to enhance skills and maybe a little bit of time dedicated to what is coaching, why do you coach, and coaching pedagogy. And through the 1980s, 1990s, 2000s, and even continuing into today, coaching accreditation, coaching certification was mostly built around a sports science model. Why? Because sports science can be learnt, can be taught, can be assessed. Someone can learn what a mitochondria is, can learn how to spell it, and can answer a multiple choice question and select it out of a group of five other words. It was relatively and is relatively easy 
to teach people sports science. But if you say, look, coaching is about the art, it's about relationships, it's about interpersonal connection, it's about listening and understanding the needs of athletes, it's about adopting an holistic approach to their overall humanist development, those things are very difficult to teach. Those things are very difficult to assess and those things are quite often very difficult to coach. So it's natural and quite understandable that the training, education and development of coaches since the 1980s has been mostly built on sports science. The advantage has been is that for many coaches, many hundreds of thousands, millions of coaches around the world who've been through certification programs, they have at least been exposed to a level of scientific, methodical, systematic thinking on how to plan, prepare, practice and have athletes ready to perform when and where it matters. That's been the upside. The downside has been is that we've overly focused on physiology, biomechanics, psychology, skill acquisition, and the other sports scientists, largely to the neglect of the art of coaching, relationship building, and seeing the person as a whole human being. I believe now is the time for a global shift away from sports science-dominated coach education to coach education, training and development activities mostly directed at the art of coaching, relationship building and whole coaching. Part of that, and I've spoken about this at length in many, many forums, is all of us in this industry have to let go of the pathway model. Why? The pathway model made a lot of sense. It was a commercial product launched by a couple of very smart people from Canada who I believe are wonderful in what they do, but it was a commercial product that got bought into by some national bodies and by some national governing government funding bodies. In its purest form, the long-term systematic development of physical, mental, technical and tactical capabilities in an athlete from starting out and just enjoying what they do through to being high-performance athletes is a wonderful concept. However, human beings are human beings and the pathway model has been twisted, perverted, converted into something of a beast where it is being implemented around the world as the only way, a linear way, for a young athlete to progress from the first time they take up a sport to the ultimate and inevitable situation where they'll be an elite athlete, professional athlete. That doesn't make any sense because that model, the LTAD model, the pathway model, has an over-focus on physical talent and physical capabilities that has then led to us under-focusing and under-thinking about and under-coaching the mental, emotional, and if you like, even spiritual and cultural elements of the whole athlete. The pathway model had athletes defined by their level of progress along their pathway. It was never linear. And it certainly was never about physical talent only. 
the problem that we've got and the challenge before us is the pathway model is so entrenched around the world. I mean, where I live in Australia, only last week I heard a CEO of a professional football team who's bidding to become part of the national football environment with a new club use the word pathway seven or eight times in a five-minute interview. It is still being perpetuated, and the way that he used it, the context in which he used it, was identifying physically talented kids and progressing them along a linear pathway until they can play at professional level. And that model is going to be difficult for us to change, but we have to. Because for a lot of reasons that I'll outline in part two of this special sports thoughts, we have to move away from the focus on physical talent and look at coaching athletes very differently. This is Wayne Goldsmith for Sports Thoughts. Please join me for part two of this special series on whole coaching. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to hear more Sports Thoughts, subscribe to our newsletter at wgcoaching.com.